Well, you know we would say a little bit of both. In fact, we already did earlier this week in the Fast Lane. Uh, you can go back to Fast Lane, Ed Lane, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram to comment and, of course, listen back. Fast Lane, Ed Lane, wherever you listen to podcasts because... I got receipts! Darn right. Or shall we say as a show... And guess what? We keep receipts. We do keep receipts, as Coach Prime would like to remind us. Um, but it is a little bit of an embarrassment for NASCAR that they announced after the race at Vegas that Ryan Blaney had been disqualified and then that they did the right thing by realizing there wasn't enough data to actually make that decision and to back off of that come Monday. Uh, I'd be upset, but ultimately I'd be fine with it if you're Ryan Blaney and uh, the Penske organization because he is still in the playoffs and in the playoff hunt, albeit uh, under a little bit of a cloud that you have to explain to sponsors and that's got to be the most frustrating part of it. So... To get perspective on this and whether we're wrong for taking two sides of the fence or right, Jared Haas, frontstretch.com NASCAR reporter with us in the fast lane. Jared, a pleasure to speak with you. We'll keep up with your work as always at Real Jared Haas on Twitter and Instagram. But Ryan Blaney and how NASCAR handled his disqualification, a whoops, not disqualification, as they reversed it from Monday from Vegas. Does NASCAR look bad for looking clunky or better than they could have been because at least they seem to get it right in the end. Oh, so always a pleasure to be on the uh, fast lane here. But it was, it was a pants-down moment for NASCAR where, you know, the procedures of what's going on because, you know, penalties, they don't happen during the race. They happen post-race because, you know, some teams, they'll try to get that advantage during the race, and so NASCAR has to take those procedures after the race to make sure all those parts that were raced were legal as well. And there was a mistake with Ryan Blaney, and it was on NASCAR's part, and at least they took responsibility to this decision, right? They could have had this process drawn out, where Roger Penske could have, you know, appealed this, went to an appeals board, and had this all drawn out. But NASCAR, swift to their action, owned up to this um, error that happened during the, uh, like I said, the teardown of what's going on with the cars after the race. So I'll give them a commendable effort for that. So NASCAR at least gets some level of praise for the end of this, but clearly it's it makes you question not only where NASCAR is, but also the manner in which they go about addressing post-race infractions because they had the situations with Hendrick Motorsports earlier this year and the appeal and how that ended up turning out. Are there things NASCAR will do to solve this in the offseason, or is this a reality that Sometimes you're going to get these type of suspensions. The reversal comes, and you're trying to explain a cumbersome rule book to amateur fans who may not know all the ins and outs, especially the technical side of things when it comes to NASCAR. Yeah, it's a really tough process to, uh, you know, it's you have to look at these cars post race, right? And you know that takes at least an, you know an hour or so, and most of the fans are gone by then. It's all of a sudden say, hey, guess what? There was a football team that used illegal cleats an hour after the game. That's basically what the box that NASCAR is in. And obviously they said they're taking steps, so that shock issue doesn't come up, so people are getting disqualified wrong. But it's hard, you know, to look at a race car during the race and say, okay, everything's all legal, because there's a lot of intricate parts in this situation. So it's it's just the box that they're in with these cars. You can't look at all the car you know, during you know before the race and after the race, and just go quick. Okay, that's good or that's not. It's a process that NASCAR has to go through. 
Jared Haas, frontstretch.com at Real Jared Haas on Twitter and Instagram for more of his expertise. And he's with us in the fast lane discussing the NASCAR playoffs. Does this breathe new life, not just into Ryan Blaney's hopes, but also into your projections for how the remaining two races, including next weekend at Martinsville Speedway in our backyard on the Virginia Talk Radio Network, will shape the finale against uh, the finale race in Phoenix in a couple weeks? Well, it made his path a little bit, I don't want to say convoluted, but at the disqualification held, he was 56 points below the cut line. Basically, it was must win. Now he can play a little bit of the stage game, you know, still get those points during the race and able to play that game. So there's a little bit more in the playbook for Ryan Blaney to get in the playoffs, but it's definitely a stout field in the top four, right? You know, the cream has rise to the top. All eight playoff drivers this past race in Las Vegas finished in the top 11. There's only three playoff drivers that were um, non-playoff drivers that were in that. Kyle Busch, Brad Kozlowski, Ross Chastain, all of them made it in the champions, you know, in the playoffs. So this is definitely cream to the cries, uh, cream of the crop type of thing. And it's going to be tough, but, you know, there is always a path to that type of thing. Um, you know, it's going to be a mixed bag. Ryan Blaney has had success at Martinsville, but last year was kind of a more forgettable race, spinning, coming off of pit road, causing that caution. And he ended up 17th in that race. That's the type of performance that you don't need to have there for Ryan Blaney. Kyle Larson's locked in. Does that make it easier for William Byron to punch his ticket over the next two races or maybe a win at a place where he's won recently in uh, Homestead, Miami, or another place where he's had success uh, dating back to last spring at Martinsville? Is the most likely driver to join Kyle Larson? Granted, there will be three. But is it the driver of the Liberty University car who was in the LBG Lynchburg, Virginia Tuesday night for Liberty's victory over Middle Tennessee? Is William Byron the next most likely driver because now Hendrick can focus all of its resources at these two races, Miami this weekend and Martinsville next, on Byron and the other organizations in the playoffs may not be able to devote that much, particularly primary challenger Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, well, you got a big obstacle in the way for William Byron this weekend. It is what you mentioned, the number five Kyle, Kyle Larson, dominated last season, 199 laps led and was lead, you know was on <laughs> in his own zip code and then sub. So, I mean, he and Benny Hamlin are probably the two drivers that I'd see that could win themselves to lock themselves in. Hamlin's had had success at Martinsville. Um, so, that, you know, Byron, definitely a decent shot and you know, with the points, how they're at right now, um, Byron has at least a little bit of a cushion, not much, um, considering the fact it's only um, that would be nine points. But still, that's, you know, just enough where it's like you're not going to worry about, you know, oh, no, you know, you're still going to worry about state points, but it's not the end of the world. So if you do have to put your projections, and we are asking for them, of course, from Real Jared Haas on Twitter and Instagram, that would be frontstretch.com's Jared Haas. Who does join William, uh, Join Kyle Larson, not William Byron, who joins Kyle Larson in Miami in a couple of weeks, starting with a good performance and maybe even a win at Miami this coming Sunday? Yeah, I mean, the, the, my projections originally for the championship four was I was going to have Larson, uh, Byron, and Hamlin. And then my uh, I had a sleeper pick of Chris Buescher, but Chris Buescher hasn't performed well, and he is the lotus on the totem pole. Mind you, Chris Buescher has had success here. He actually won a stage a couple of years ago um, back when 
you know, before the Kozlowski buying into Roush uh, Fenway Racing. So, you know, there's the potential with RFK Racing coming out really strong in the gate, but um, you're still looking at Christopher Bell. Martin Truex Jr. at least broke the, uh, the, the streak of bad luck finishing outside the top 15 where it mattered most. But, I mean, there's going to be a tough um, tough hole to fill for Martin Truex Jr., but I, I actually more see Bell could be that last driver that sneaks in to the championship four into Phoenix. Jared Haas, frontstretch.com with us here in the fast lane. So you mentioned Christopher Bell. He's come out and defended why he did not punt Kyle Larson out of the way at Las Vegas. Do you buy his defense or should he have been more aggressive? Uh, I mean, understandably, if you won at Las Vegas the past two, the past two years with uh, Joey Logano and Kyle Larson, the champion won that race. And with that, with Christopher Bell, understandably, he's frustrated because if he would have won that race, guess what? He doesn't have to worry about the two weeks with being um, at the playoff cut line right now as he's just sitting almost minus two behind Hamlin and Truex who are tied. So you don't have to worry about all this outside pressure of like, okay, now we have to worry about you know points or stage points, all that. Christopher Bell could have just, you know, relax, take these two races, still compete hard, but say, okay, now we can focus on Phoenix. I think that's why he's dejected because those three drivers, as I mentioned, Larson, Byron, and Hamlin are the solid favorites right now. And if he can lock himself in, that that would definitely bust some brackets and make it easier for the 20 team to come back for the championship four. Jared Oss, frontstretch.com with us in the fast lane. Jared, we will step back away again from NASCAR and wrap it up with this. TV contracts, they have been a focal point for NASCAR. Your colleague, who is also with you on the Happy Hour podcast. By the way, where was Trey Lyle for that this past Tuesday? (laughs) You know where I was. Wait a minute. You know where I was. Yeah, you were monitoring what? Liberty University football, right? Well, that and I also, well, not this last Thursday. I was at the doctor. You were at the doctor on Tuesday, but you weren't doing your duty, which is finding a way no matter that, what. Come you, hell or high if water. If you listened, especially last week, I said for the next couple of weeks that Brian and I were swapping places because I hosted Bringing the Heat this week with both Michael Massey and Dalton Hopkins. We did a little happy hour flavor on Bringing the Heat this week. That's out right now as well. So, you know, Ed, if... Uh, you know, you listened a little bit, you know, maybe you would have known why. I mean, I, I do. I was just wondering how Trey could not find a way to make it work as somebody that could have had a chance to speak with Jared Haas on his debut on the Front Stretch Happy Hour podcast earlier this week. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Jared was on one of the first ones. Ah, well. Yeah, I've been on the Happy Hour podcast before. Uh, I think I've been at least probably twice. I think it's my second or third time. So I've been on the Happy Hour podcast. It's definitely a hoot to listen to. Um, I definitely had my favorite uh, sponsorship combo that I remember. Definitely unique. Definitely check that out. Yes. Uh, it'll be a little bit surprising history about that. Well, you guys have a number of ones in there, and there's some good selections and choices uh, from that. That's a topic for a different time. But your colleague, Tom Bowles, had an interesting article up as well. As Jared Haas of FrontStretch.com is with us in the fast lane, and much more diplomatic than Trey, who will just go the Coach Prime route on uh, – how Jared has been in that podcast. I got receipts. Darn right. And Trey does. So to his credit, he can brag. But NASCAR right now, TV negotiations. Is it really that far off? Or should people remember, and, and Tom does a great job 
noting this, that two of the last three negotiations have happened in November and December, uh, about 18 months out, about 12 to 14 months away from the start of the new TV rights contract, and that we're not in that window. So things actually seem to be progressing on par, even if there's a sky is falling attitude. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, TV contracts are a good deal for NASCAR because that's where a lot of the purse money is coming from. And that's basically NASCAR is married to TV, to say the least. And, I mean, this, again, they've had the three mega contract deals um, with, you know, TV. It started with the 2001, uh, 2006 TV deal, and then 2007 and 2015. It's, you always want more, you know, more of the slice of the pie, more money that's being broadcast because you've grown with it but now it's it's definitely a tough situation here with tv folks you know they're trying they're trying to uh trying to satisfy everything with the cable but now people are unplugging you got nfl being the uh the darling of the tv folks and the streaming folks and everybody so it's trying to fight all the way all that around with it to say that nascar wants to spice the pie um of the money of tv money to make sure that the sport has done well. So that's why it's a big deal. And you're kind of seeing people shuffling around, making moves to be in prepare for that. You know, you don't know what you're going to expect that until it's announced. Um, but like I said, that TV deal is a big thing for NASCAR because that's where a lot of the money's coming from. It's a good point from Jared Haas, and he's got more of him in his NASCAR mailbox. That's up at frontstretch.com. And of course, he was in the Happy Hour podcast, Sands Trey Lyle Tuesday, but Trey is in bringing the heat today so alas. i might be back on happy hour next week well, with a uh uh a friend from the redneck riviera if you know what i mean ah my spot and maybe even my guy more on that later in the meantime jared thank you for joining us today in the fast lane and yes i will uh i'll say that i take it to the heart as you can hear my uh, my heart fluttering here through this microphone that you didn't decide to out me in a way that trey lyle most certainly would have uh, we keep receipts uh. I enjoyed it in the fast lane. I'm going to get ready to fly to Homestead. As always, as you mentioned, plug my socials. You can follow me there, especially on Twitter. Keep you updated what's going on at Homestead Miami Speedway. Triple header truck series is going to be deciding the championship four, and it's going to be a critical race for the Xfinity Series and Cup Series as their round of eight whittles down to the championship four. Taking his talents to South Beach, kind of. Jared Haas. Jared, thank you for your time. Absolutely. I do appreciate it. Jared Haas with us here in the fast lane. All right. Fast five at five ish will be part of tomorrow along with votes of confidence and in-depth look at high school football action with WSET's Dave Walls. And can, can I tease the fast five? Um, you can. I mean, one part of it is our dream is dead. Yeah, it is. And we have to get For to now. that tomorrow in the fast lane because, you know, broken hearts are a real problem. When we return, though. Not broken promises. We mentioned we will chat with Brandon Noble, former Washington Commanders and Dallas Cowboys defensive lineman. He will join us next in the fast lane talking some NFL as we are about a quarter of the way, about a third of the way through the season. Conclusions or not, that when we return here in the fast lane.